Hi, thank you for joining the Chi Alpha stream tonight. My name is Matt. I'm so glad that you decided to join us uh, for family groups and looking forward to studying the Word of God together tonight. Anyone that's ever tried to do something significant has at some point faced opposition for it. You can't score a touchdown without first getting past the defensive line. You know, I've played a few different team sports and I've never had the experience in a game of the other team standing aside and saying, you know, go on and score that goal. You know, we're not going to stand in your way. Just go for it, right? You're always going to face some kind of opposition. Anyone that launches into a creative endeavor of any sort is going to face criticism for people that think they know a better way to do it. And why didn't you do it this way, right? Uh, there's always going to be opposition whenever we try to do something significant or worthwhile. Last week, we talked about finding our purpose in life by realizing that we've been sent by God. Some of us have been going through life without that clear sense of purpose, like a person walking into a room and forgetting why it is that they went there. You know, what am I doing here? That kind of feeling is the way a lot of us have been living our lives. And we talked about the importance of realizing that we've been sent by God. You know, we talked about how knowing we are sent by God gives us a clear purpose in every season, in every circumstance, that we don't just happen to be in this situation or that situation, but as believers, we know we've been placed there sent there by God and for a specific purpose. But we realize something almost immediately when we embrace this purpose for our lives and begin to allow the Lord to use us to reach others. Not everyone's going to like it. Like everything that is worth pursuing, we're going to face opposition. We've got to overcome to accomplish what the Lord has called us to do. And so as we continue our study in the book of Acts, we're going to see Paul and Barnabas face serious opposition as well. They begin their first missionary journey sailing to the island of Cyprus, and they find themselves engaged in a conflict with a false prophet there who is deceiving a local governor to keep him from receiving the gospel. So let's take a look at it. We're going to be in Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 4. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Verse 6. Afterwards, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until they finally reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now, this is no relation to the Jesus who is the central focal point of the Christian faith. Uh, Jesus, that name Jesus, comes from the Aramaic Yeshua, which is a form of the name Joshua, which would have been a very common name uh, at this time. Still a common name today, Joshua. And that bar just means son of. So this is son of Joshua. Joshua just means the Lord saves. So son of Joshua, son of salvation. Uh, that's this guy's name, this false prophet, the sorcerer, this magician uh, who is there deceiving people um, they come in conflict with. Verse 7. He had, he had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Verse 9, Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked at the sorcerer in the eye. It's interesting that Luke transitions here mid-story to using the character's Greek names. 
And he's going to continue to refer to Paul by his Greek name for the rest of the book. It feels almost like that scene in Avengers Infinity War, where Peter Parker introduces himself uh, only to realize, oh, we're using our made-up names now, right? We're using our superhero names. Okay, then, well, I'm Spider-Man, right? And so as you're reading this, it can almost feel like that. Okay, we're just using everybody's Greek names now. Why? But Luke is doing this for a very specific purpose. It has to do with this strategic shift in Paul's ministry here that happens right here on this journey, and also a shift in the mission of the church to reach Gentiles, people from a non-Jewish background. See, prior to this, the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us through Jesus, had mostly been preached to the Jews, right? The strategy of the early church and the apostles uh, was to, to preach to Jewish people, to preach in the synagogues and in the temple, now, the Holy Spirit earlier had directed Peter to go and speak at Cornelius' house uh, and, and one Cornelius' family to the Lord, setting a precedent that Gentiles can become believers, Gentiles can be saved and welcomed into the body of Christ. Um, but it still was not common practice for uh, Gentiles to be preached to in this kind of way. Um, so when we see uh, the apostles preach, it would mostly be in the temple, mostly be in the synagogues, mostly to Jewish audiences. And Barnabas and Paul would use the same methods in their journeys. When they would arrive in a new city, they'd first go to the synagogue. They'd first go to where Jewish people were or God-fearing Gentiles were who already had the religious framework to understand what it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah. And while this is a useful strategy that we're going to see Paul and Barnabas continue to use, we also see a dramatic shift here in their ministry to being directed specifically towards the Gentiles. And this is how the Lord wants to use Paul as an apostle to the Gentiles. And so this name change here reflects that, right? We're going to start seeing him referred to by his Greek name because there's a shift in the ministry here uh, where he's now being sent directly to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, to people from non-Jewish backgrounds, because that's part of the design of God, the plan of God, how God had sent him. Okay, so we're going with their Greek names now. Uh, instead of Bar-Jesus and Saul, it's Elymas and Paul. So Paul had been invited to speak to this Gentile governor, but the local magician was deceiving the governor and keeping him from believing the truth. So a righteous anger rises up in Paul, and full of the Holy Spirit, he looks Elymas in the eyes and he says this, continuing in verse 10. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud and enemy of all that is good, will you ever stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Verse 12, when the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. So Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, rebukes and binds this false prophet who's been deceiving the governor. And the governor then becomes a believer. It's interesting here that this is also Paul's first recorded miracle, that his first recorded miracle uh, happens to be in a conflict with a Jewish false prophet while he's trying to share the gospel with a Gentile. God loves Sergius. And the enemy was using elements to keep him blinded from the gospel, to keep him from believing Jesus taught that this was a common strategy of the enemy of our souls to snatch away the seeds of the gospel when they've been sown to keep them from taking root. And that's exactly what we see happening here. If you've ever seen The Lord of the Rings, 
This whole scene reminds me of Gandalf in the court of the king of Rohan. Uh, the king is being deceived by a similar twisted figure named Grimma Wormtongue. And then the good wizard Gandalf steps in and rebukes him and drives him out and sets the king free from his influence. And so I think Tolkien must have been influenced to write that scene from this episode in scripture. These very similar ideas, good triumphing, triumphing over evil and truth triumphing over lies and deception. So what does this all mean for us? It's normal that when we allow God to use us to share Jesus with others, we will face some, some form of opposition. We see a righteous anger rise up in Paul that anyone or anything would stand in the way of someone coming to Jesus. And we see a similar anger in, in Jesus himself with the money changers in the temple uh, who are taking advantage of people and creating obstacles that are keeping people from drawing near to God. God opposes those who oppose the proclamation of the gospel. And he opposes people who promote falsehoods that would lead others astray. In fact, Jesus said it would be better for you to have a large stone tied around your neck and for you to throw yourself into the sea than you deceive others with false teaching and lead them astray from God. When we live missionally and share Jesus with others, we can expect opposition as well. But also know that God is on your side and we can trust him to deal with whatever opposition we may face. We don't need to be afraid of it. God is powerful and he can handle it. In fact, if you desire to see more of the power of God and at work in your life, this is exactly how you do it. You know, this is Paul's first recorded miracle, proclaiming the gospel to lost people who needed Jesus. In Mark 16, 20, it says the Lord confirms the proclamation of his word with miraculous signs. If you need to see more of the power of God in your life, step into every situation as though you are specifically sent by God and allow the Lord to use you to share Jesus with the people in your life. We're going to transition now to family groups to discuss this together. I'm praying you guys have some fantastic discussions, right? Talking about how God wants to use you to share Jesus with others, wants to use you, send you uh, to be a light for him and how he, he wants to overcome the opposition that may raise up when you begin to live with this kind of purpose. Love you guys and look forward to talking to you again soon.